This podcast is for the purposes of providing information only and is not providing legal advice. Although we may have attorneys speaking during this podcast, no attorney-client relationship exists. As always, we recommend you consult with an attorney about your specific issue. This episode of Dream Podcast is the second part of a two-part series. If you missed episode 13, please go back and listen to that first. Again, we'd like to remind you to wear your masks and practice social distancing. This episode of Dream Podcast, Truth About Immigration, is brought to you by Hippie Girl Natural Products. Our products are handmade, environmentally friendly, and we cultivate the herbs and flowers used in our garden. If you'd like to try a product at 50% off, go to hippiegirlnaturalproducts.com and use coupon code DREAM. This administration has really tried to gut a lot of asylum protections or ability to even ask for asylum. I know that that there's been a lot of changes going on with with asylum law. Um, what are some of the other changes that are going on? I know it's just getting more and more difficult to to keep up. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I feel like every literally every day we get um, something new, a new change, a new proclamation, a new executive order. There's always something going on. Um, but for now, there's just new. So first, I mean the first big change and then now that's been implemented actually it's the um the changes to work authorizations for asylum oh, seekers yeah mm-hmm. that one's a huge one so uh, normally you as an asylum seeker and you could apply for work authorization if you hadn't if, if 150 days had passed and you hadn't had your hearing um now it's 365 days 365 days and didn't someone in the administration just like and in response to, well, these people are here waiting for their hearing, like they're just trying to work. Wasn't the response from somebody in the administration, well, they, if you're seeking asylum, they just need to get used to being homeless? Pretty pretty much. That was that was the response. So what, you know, what the new changes they do is one, wait, longer waiting periods. We go from 180 days to 365, right? So yeah, then, and, people, and people need to understand that's just for work authorization. So right. you can work, you get a social security, you can pay taxes. Yes. Like, I mean, that's all that. Because, and that's the thing, you know, it really goes hand in hand. So these changes make it impossible for a person to get a work permit until they've been here for 365 days, right? Um, it cuts. So before a person that was applying for asylum could get their work permits, adjudicated within 30 days, that's gone, right? They eliminated that. So now you have to wait. Um, and yes, Take that was- as long as they want. That was a response. A lot of people are like, well, a lot of people are here without family, without friends. They, you know, they fled their country. And yeah, they said that people that come here seeking asylum, they should get used to and they they should become familiar with homelessness um, and, wow. and charitable um, organizations. <clears throat> so it's just like- Pretty much, I said, like, if they're here and they have a legitimate fear to return to their countries and they are fleeing persecution, they should be willing to wait for a work permit. Yeah, and, you know, we talk a lot about the economics of immigration. I mean, USCIS, first of all, we're in a deficit as our deficit grows and as USCIS is basically asking for money because they they are almost completely funded, well, I guess completely funded by application fees. So while USCIS is asking for taxpayer money, our deficit is growing, all of this is going on. I mean, for a work authorization, it's almost $500 in application fees. Um, so now they're not going to be getting more applications on DACAs and they're not going to be getting more asylum applications. That's correct. I think, it, I think all of this is, you know, they're doing it to deter people from coming, you know, and deter people from from applying from for asylum, um, 
you know, their justification is that there's a lot of abuse, that a lot of people file frivolous asylum claims just to get a work authorization, but they have no data to back that up just because they don't keep track of frivolous applications. They only have grants and denials. That's the only data that they actually track. And, and most so of this, the data is old. It, it, right. Yeah. And so this, you know, this, this position of, oh, it's to prevent frivolous applications, it's just really not supported by, by the numbers. So, and, and like I said, it, it really goes, I think it, it really is a way for them to disqualify people from applying for asylum because one, they're taking away the right to work and then in these new proposed rules, which would really cut, you know, the eligibility of asylum for many people. One of the one of the new disqualifiers would be if you've ever worked without authorization, if you haven't reported income, if you haven't, if you pay taxes late, if you know, and if a person doesn't have a work authorization, of course they are going to work without authorization because they need to eat, they need to survive, and so they are being placed in a catch twenty two, really. You know, because they're not going to have a way to work. They're not going to have a way to get a work permit. And once they do that, then they are disqualified from receiving asylum. Yeah. But one of the other disqualifying factors too was uh, illegal entries, right? So if they came into the country illegally, um, didn't present themselves at a port of entry, they're going to be disqualified also from asylum. Disqualified. Well, they, I, I, the proposed rules are urging the immigration judges to consider that like an extreme adverse factor. That's it. So it's not a complete disqualifier, but it's going to be a taken a, into consideration. Like it, yeah. They should it should really be taken into a into account. And sometimes people cross not knowing where a point of entry is. Um, and sometimes people pay like a coyote to cross or, you know, it's not always intentional that they cross sometimes. I mean, it's not like in the desert that there's a line or mm -hmm. the wall, like some people think there is. A, there, I mean, there's a lot of spots where there is no, you're really far in between um, an actual port of entry um, or you don't even know that you've crossed, right. crossed yeah. the actual Great physical point, border. Yeah. 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 Sometimes people don't realize that. Uh, so, do you know the updates with MPP? Do you t do MPP cases at all? I don't do MPP cases, um, but I know that they are due to resume um, next month. Um, but so I, the 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 court that's handling the MPP cases is the non-detained court. That's that's correct. It's a non-detained court. They are considered detained cases, but yeah, it's non-detained court. Um, it's been closed because of COVID. The last update that I saw was that they were going to. All the courts were going to resume on July 6th, but we actually talked to um, a clerk at the at the court and they said that they would resume hearings on July 13th. Yeah, so what so I've heard- So changing also. Yeah, what I've heard is that every Thursday they update them. Okay. They update the staff and they let them know we're going to open or we're not going to open. Right yeah. now, yeah, data's supposed to be July 6th. Yeah. Um, I think- Think I know that they're open and they are doing some hearings. So I don't know if they've started the MPP cases, but basically all since it's been months now. I mean, the detention centers are very empty um, because they're they're not letting people in for asylum cases. I mean, I think the only people really detained, at least that we've been seeing, are the ones that have crossed illegally, right? Um, but because of MPP and because of the coronavirus, all of these people are stuck in. In what is right, yeah. right, 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 yeah, no, and just their pending hearings that keep getting rescheduled. So, what do you think is the future of asylum? I mean, someone asked me, a reporter asked me, and this was before this decision and some of these changes, recent changes. Do you think that asylum is dead? I, I think there's going to be. So, these proposed rules are definitely 
definitely deadly to the asylum process. Um, but I have a lot of faith in our legal community. I have a lot of faith in, in attorneys fighting, you know, fighting back. I think ultimately there's going to be a lot, a lot of litigation around the work permit issue, around the proposed rules. Um, so I think there's, it's not going to be completely restored as it was before. I don't think as, as long as we have this administration, for sure, we, it, it's definitely going to, to continue to be a, a bad path. But I think with the new, with the new administration, with a better administration, with um, litigation, with uh, attorneys taking it to, to federal courts, with, you know, having that faith in our federal judges, I, I don't think it'll be completely dead. At least I don't hope so. Maybe I'm just being too hopeful and optimistic. <laughs> um, but I always see, you know, the, the legal community really, really fighting back. So I think there's a lot of lawyers out there that are like ready to, to fight back. And we did get two good decisions. Um, the, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Was that this week or was this that last week and this week? I think both, no, yeah. it was like one and a half. Um, so we did get a good decision in the DACA case. We did get a good decision on the um, LGBT case um, and Title Seven. So maybe there is hope. Right, it's just, <laughs> and, and, and it's that, really that optimism that and it was it was surprising i mean it is a pretty conservative court that was that was my big concern um so the last thing that i just wanted to talk about richie do you have any questions about like expedited removal did we explain it well i think it's kind of a complicated tricky area of of a lot of understanding is you know but i I think you guys you went over it in a way that i didn't feel (laughs) left out you know it's just it's a very i mean if, if there's one you know one area of law that's really being used by this administration is is that you know it, it's the expedited removal process and it's it's a powerful tool that they have because it's a process that what is it low level officials can the levels of, you know, I mean, yeah. can process yeah. people for deportations whether i mean and and this administration actually extended expedited removal i don't know I don't, we haven't even talked about that you know because yeah. the way it was implemented is people um, were subject to expedited removal if they were within, if they were found within a hundred miles of the border, and if they had been here um, for two weeks or less. Yeah, less than right? That days. was the standard. Mm-hmm. Trump, ex- I mean, he expanded that, that 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 rule, and he said pretty much anywhere in the United States, and if you've been here for less than two years, you're subject to expedited removal. Um, which put people, I mean, it just, it really puts people in a difficult situation because what you have to carry your documents to show two years everywhere you go, because if yeah. you're found by an, you know, by an officer, even though you've been here for 20 years and have kids and, you know, you're eligible for relief, you have right to a hearing with the judge, like it doesn't matter. Like yeah. literally it, the, the, this decision is left to an officer who says, you know what, I don't believe you. You're subject to expedited and the person can be in in their country the next day. Well, the other thing too that we didn't talk about was in regards to asylum. I mean, there's already disqualifiers in place. You're supposed to apply for asylum within a year of your entry into the U.S. Um, And they're changing that, right, to make it matter. So this was kind of like a discretionary. There were exceptions. You could could show exceptions where there was extreme hardship. um, Change circumstances. Change circumstances in your country. Change conditions, yeah. Yeah, uh, but they changed that as well. So, I mean, there was already things in place that allowed a judge to have some discretion on that issue, and now they don't have any discretion when it comes to that. It's like an automatic disqualifier. It it expands the list pretty much. uh, You know, the disqualifiers um, that were set by regulation, it's just an expansion of that. And now I think if you if you cross if you crossed more than two countries to get to the United States, you're automatically disqualified. 
So yeah. you have people from these countries. Of course, if you're from Mexico, that that's not a problem. But if you have people from like these African countries that, you know, usually go to South America first, then they go to Central America and then Mexico and then the United States, that's yeah. it. They're disqualified. Yeah. And those are know? some of the places that need, right. I mean, those people need asylum. Some Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, more than other countries. Some, yeah. Some very dangerous situations in their countries. So just really expands that list of disqualifiers. And that case, the, the Supreme Court case um, regarding the asylum issue is DHS versus and I'm going to probably butcher it, but Thuraisigayam? Thuraisigayam? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. But um, <laughs> and that decision, I feel like the DACA decision was a little convoluted. It was hard to, the it gets into the Administrative Procedures Act a little bit. And so it's a little convoluted. It's a yeah. little difficult decision to read. But I do always suggest that people read decisions if you can hang because they're very interesting sometimes. I mean, this court, maybe not as much as some of our right, past right. Supreme Court, but right. um, yeah, yeah. They, they are interesting reads. They're just a little, the, the DACA decision and this one, right. if you don't understand expedited removal and things like that, they're a little convoluted. Right. And they're actually good to decisions to read like side by side because you can see the different tones. I mean, it's mm. just amazing the way the DACA decision was written and then the way this one was written. It's just like, totally different it's, yeah you know it, it's it's very it's very anti-immigrant very anti anti-asylum very pro trump administration and it's just very yeah very it's evident, it's evident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so yeah the, just the last thing i want to talk about was uscis updates u.s citizenship and immigration services um how have you had and so i've had the only thing that i've had really scheduled is we've had some naturalization we, I think we had one client naturalized who actually took the oath. I've had like one or two residency appointments, uh, but I haven't, I don't know if they're letting us in. Um, my one, uh, one of the approvals was basically just a check-in, so I didn't go with them. Um, what what are you seeing with USCIS? What, are, what applications are they processing? What are they not processing? So they have, during this, you know, during this whole time, they've still been processing applications. We didn't see a slow, a slowdown in that, in that regards. Actually, we were getting faster adjudications of like I-130s, work permits, um, processes that did not need interviews, uh, interviews or fingerprints, right? Yeah. Um, but so what they're doing is if, if you file for something and they need to do fingerprints, so the biometrics, if they have fingerprints on file that they can use, um, because it used to be that you'd have to do it like every, what, the fingerprints are only good for like a year, six uh-huh. months or a year or something. But they're using even old ones if they can use them instead of sending people to biometrics appointments. Right, to process those applications. So we saw those still being um, being processed. I actually was scheduled for a, a naturalization for next week. So I'll be able to see that. I, I just prepped my prepped my client and I told them, you know what? I do not know what for to an interview for or an for interview. the for the old ceremony for an, an interview. interview. Yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to go in face mask. I, I, I know, know before the virus, they were letting people they were doing the interviews there at the window, so you wouldn't actually even go back into the office, right. office with the officer. So that might be it because they have a, a glass. But I don't know if they're going to let attorneys. Right. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, then that's something that we're going to have to fight back, right? Because yeah. especially with my client now, with you know, they have there's some criminal issues, some issues that they definitely need the representation. So um, they're gonna have to find a way to to respect that right to have an attorney present. Yeah, I did read somewhere that they were gonna do kind of like by phone and things like that, but I'm not sure exactly how mm-hmm. they're gonna do it. Um, but yeah. we haven't had any contentious residency applications or anything like that. So you'll have to update us. I'll let you on know. how your naturalization yeah. goes. But as far as I know, I mean, everything is up and running. I know that they've been. Um, 
they resumed, they suspended premium processing for a while. Premium processing is just a process where people can pay extra money to get their applications um, adjudicated faster. Faster, yeah. So now they're back, you know, that was suspended for a while and it's it's back up again. So it seems that they're trying to go back as... It seems as like normal. naturalizations also, citizenship applications have become kind of a priority for them. Yeah. And the consulates for all types of visa processing is all of the consulates are basically closed. Uh, so residencies where people have to go to the consulates, we're not able to get appointments for them right now. And we have no idea when they're right, saying they're so they were saying that they were going to extend it till December. Right, right, right. So we don't know when that's going to happen. But USAS is still adjudicating, adjudicating applications. Non-detained courts were always opened. And then the, I'm sorry, the detained courts were always opened. And the non-detained courts are supposed to begin as of now, July 6th or the 13th, maybe. Um, yeah, and those are those are the big updates. Big updates, yes. Mm-hmm. Richie, what else? Tell, <laughs> so tell us, tell us what's going on with you in quarantine. Like, are you, you're still doing uh, open mics? Yeah, like everyone else, uh, we're, we're looking at the ways in which we have to adapt and so, you know, like with a lot of other organizations, um, in particular with music and the arts, I've tried to find home online. So yeah, the open mics, I've been doing them online on Mondays through a Zoom call and uh, live streamed on YouTube. It's, it's something, you know, ultimately um, I'm doing it because people asked for it. <laughs> Yeah. At first. Um, well, that's a good sign. Yeah. You know, people were like, "Where are you, you going to do something? And, and, and so it's been interesting. I'm, I'm learning to get better at things like online streaming. And, you know, I'm encouraging performers to, you know, I think it's it's a pretty useful tool to be able to to learn this technology. I know not everyone has access to it. I think that's an issue, you know, internet, yeah. technology. Um, so those who have been coming, you know, I've been trying to like, support artists, you know, I've been encouraging them to encouraging them to create virtual tip jars from the way when they perform. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. the very first one we did, uh, we had someone tune in and, and tip whoever left their their Venmo Venmo or PayPal information. So it it's something I, I think as as we you know, as we talked about all on all today's episode and, and what we've all been experiencing is uh it's tumultuous times, you know, not only are we asked to stay inside and adjust but you see a lot of <laughs> upheaval, right? And social unrest, uh, rightfully so, right? You see people tension. starting to stand Lots up. Yeah, there's a lot of tension and you see a lot of fighting online. Um, yeah, and music, I mean, it's right now it's so hard for musicians um, yes, and venues. very hard. Because no you can't have concerts. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been hurt financially. Yeah. Uh, not being able to, to put together shows, so... Um, you know, we're, we're adapting, um, trying to support. I, I think that, you know, part of that also means trying to think about the ways in which we can support those musicians and yeah. artists, like by buying merchandise or, you know, even if you don't have money, maybe streaming their album. All yeah. The time. Or reshare, mm-hmm. reshare when they're stuff. going live. A lot of musicians have been going live. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it's interesting to see these movements. Um, it's not easy, but it's it's necessary. Um, it's it's maybe it's a little too easy to be cynical, you know. And I always always like to think if you stay positive, you know, we'll we'll figure something out and and kind of make it through. Um, earlier when we were talking about about the whole cynicism thing, I, I was thinking of uh, was it Martin Luther King Jr. He talks about the the long arc of justice, right? Definitely see that with these Supreme Court cases, right? It's like 
Lady Justice for the win, <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> so we'll, see, we'll see where we're heading, but you know, for now, I know people need to express themselves, and and of course, through my medium, that you know, the open mic, music, poetry, people still have stuff to say. So we're giving them that platform. I'm calling it the stay at home open mic, which is kind of <laughs> cool. I get to practice my graphic design skills, make a little little house with the logo and. Um, you, know. so you did an awesome poem too. Uh, so I'm part of the El Paso International Music Foundation and yeah. we did, uh, it was International Day of Music. Um, I don't even remember what the date was. The, it was last Saturday, right? Yeah, like a week ago. And uh, so they did all day, they had different musicians, pretty much all local musicians um, would mm. go either live or they pre-recorded stuff. And so every hour on the hour, we were having different stuff going on and Richie did a really cool um Oh, home yeah. with um who was the uh, golden groove christopher uh, daniel rivetta daniel christopher yeah. serrano yeah yeah they were on bongos and jazz uh <laughs> saxophone is that what he was playing and then richie was was reading a poem <laughs> so we'll share that on our page too it oh, was yeah, really cool. cool yeah it's on uh my my band page in the injured language and uh yeah uh grisel was you know like asking if I could invite any, and I, I shared because you know, inter, the Make Music Day was pretty fun. Speaking of how we could support one another, yeah, yeah. Uh, that page is still out there, so you can go back and, yeah. and play everyone's performances, follow mm -hmm. artists that maybe you hadn't seen before. I know I left a, a message on behalf of BWAMS, and then I forgot that I had submitted a poem, and they, and yeah. they, they shared it. Yeah, uh, I just have a poem. It's like a, a poem for El Paso and Juarez and all the artists. It's called Windblown World. And uh, I like performing that one with my with my friends, Chris and Daniel. Chris on congas, Daniel on sax. It's a little a little bit of just like a love poem for for you know the the dreamers, you know the people in in the literal and and metaphorical sense. We'll have to either repost it on uh, like the Dream Podcast page, or you'll have to do maybe like recite it and then we'll post oh, like yeah, your yeah. vocal of doing it. But yeah, people, I mean, people are having to get creative like uh, hearings. I was thinking of it because you mentioned YouTube. Um, I was speaking to a criminal attorney, a friend who, who practices criminal and they were saying that they had to show, so they have to show the hearing on YouTube because it has to be, you know, public records. So um, YouTube actually shut down the, the video stream because it was about... Um, it had something to do with like sexual assault of a minor or something like that. And YouTube yeah, shut it down. YouTube's really strict on, on that. So, so, yeah, but now they have issues because they have to have, have the courts open to the public. So now oh, that's becoming an issue. Wow. Like, yeah. And I know for me, I've been doing all of my hearings, pretty much all my hearings by phone. I don't know if you're going in. Are you going in yet, Brenda? Um, I'm trying to do most of them by phone as well, but then I have had to go in like for individuals. You Are know? you seeing clients in person? Um, not very many. Um, I'm trying to send them documents for signature. Um, I'm trying to do whatever conferences I, I have to do. I arrange it with the detention center. That way they don't have to spend money on, on calling. Mm -hmm. um, and it's slower, but I feel like that's just the... Nature the, of the beast. Right? Yeah. That's just, we just have to learn how to practice in a, in a different way. Yeah. Was there anything else you guys wanted to add? Richie, any uh, thoughts of insight or uh, recommendations, podcasts, books? Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. So I remember in the previous episode, you had asked about podcasts and I I'd completely blanked on the name. But um, I think I remember now. Uh, so just to kind of like fill in that gap of information, <laughs> it, it was uh, one of my favorite spoken word poets slash rappers called Guante. Uh, oh, yes. He had uh -huh. a podcast called Man. It's called Man Up. 
Okay. It's just really kind of interrogating masculinity, you know, and I think that's kind of an interesting, you know, discussion as well these days uh, because, you know, popular discussion is toxic masculinity and what that means. And and also maybe just looking what what is positive masculinity look like, you know, and, and how it's not necessarily tied into male, female. And then of course, it's yeah, that was a crazy like subwoofer, huh? Yeah, somebody dropped uh, by but with But lately, so if I want to maybe give props to a local author, uh, this month uh, I've been reading Gris Munoz's oh, yeah. book, Coatle Cuegro. Uh, it's a new release. Yeah, uh, I want to get that. I got to get a copy is, of that. It's great. So I, I have another podcast. Well, uh, and before you go, get off yes. of that one, she did all of the artwork for that book was Los Dos. Los Dos, yeah, yes. Yeah, it's really cool. I need um, to get a copy Exactly. Yeah. So um, I do another podcast called Literally Literary with uh, yeah. a colleague of mine, Jorge Gomez, who is on the board of Las Americas uh, and also college professor. Uh, and then uh, a student, uh, literature, literature student, Vanessa Zuniga, um, every month we read a new book, cultural, Culturally Relevant Literature, uh, Living Authors. Um, so this month I, I was really excited to read Gris Munoz because she's from here and I, I've known mm-hmm. her for a while. Excellent book, you know, I think recommended reading if you grew up on the border. She's queer, Chicana. I think uh, a lot of the themes that a lot of us can, can that resonate with us. And um, Poems, right? It's, it's, okay. it's, so it's a mix. Okay. It's poems and short stories. And her, okay. her short stories are, are really strong. She's a excellent writer. It's her debut book, but this book has been like almost a decade in the making. So it's... We'll have to get information yeah. from her on how to... How people can order. So I think you can order it from our website, goodismunoz.com. Okay. And there's cool. a link for like, uh, I think Big Cartel is the distributor. But the press is Flower Song Press. You can probably just type it in. Go at Liquid Girl. Uh, which yeah. is hard. You know. Yeah, it's, it's hard to spell and pronounce, but we'll share it also on the Yeah, so page. I want to give her a shout out. And uh, like I said, on this podcast, uh, we usually do about four episodes. We break down the book, discuss its themes. And uh, yeah, and we talk, definitely I talk about how, how important it is that she incorporates community, um, including Los Dos, the artwork. Um, and that's very similar to even uh, my friend, uh, Ruby Orozco Santos, who... Also, like last year, released a book, Inventos Mios, too, which features artwork from Los Dos. And that one's a pretty great read of a collection of poems as well. Um, but anyway, go check them out. <laughs> yeah, we'll check them out. Brenda, any recommendations? Podcast, books? Jeez, no. You've got these, a little one. These so days, I've just been listening to parenting podcasts. So. <laughs> what are you listening to, though? What's Actually, gonna... right now, I'm listening to, it's called Forward Parenting. And it's... Um, it's a it's an interesting podcast just because I mean I'm, I'm a new mom. Uh, my you know my son is one one year old, and I've been having um, almost like a spiritual spiritual crisis. I, I grew up Catholic and and I I want to raise my my son in the Catholic Church, but of course I'm faced with these you know these dilemmas of the church not being very progressive and mm. and, and standing up for ideals that are just don't go in. They're not in line with mine, and um, so forward forward parenting is more about how to raise your children in with with faith, but with very progressive values. And so it's that's interesting, right? And so that's where I'm at. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, so I have one recommendation uh, that is a podcast called Forgotten: The Women of What Is, and it is awesome. They go into some theories about you know we've had these crazy amounts of um, women that have been murdered 
and they go into some theories. Um, the way that they did the podcast was uh, was just amazing. I don't remember who it is that does. I think it's iHeartRadio. Uh, and have you heard it, Richie? I'm, I just looked it up right now. Oh, it's so good. Oh. It's so good. We binged and like heard all of them and then they come out like every week and we're like dying for the next one. So check it out. Um, thanks you guys so much for listening. Please like and subscribe and share if you do enjoy it. Um, and like always, if you have any questions, please um, write to us or let us know. Dreampodcast01 at gmail.com. You can always find Richie, uh, Richie Marufo. Well, the, the website is dreampodcast.net. So you can find Richie's information on there, but you can also find him through B. Woms, B-W-O-M-S. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me through CynthiaRLopez.com. And Brenda is, is it just under your name now or is it your firm is under your name or are you guys still Jano Savala? I believe it's so Jano Savala. <laughs> okay, so Brenda's what uh, firm, law firm off is? Off social media, off the internet. <laughs> is Jano Savala and Vialpando. So thank you so much for being here, Brenda. I know your time is, is precious, especially time away from your little yeah, one. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.